welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. We are all collectively basking in the wake of a red-hot Elimination Chamber event. We are in full gear on the road to WrestleMania. And of course, I can't make it to Los Angeles without my co-pilot. He is the voice of Monday Night Raw alongside me, Mr. Kevin Patrick. KP, how you feeling? I'm wonderful, thanks. But Grave, you have to be honest with you. Before we revel in the euphoria of Elimination Chamber and welcome in our, our, our brilliant and beautiful guest today, I've got something I've got to address here. My beautiful what? mother calls me yesterday. I'm driving from, from Ottawa to Montreal to catch a flight. And she's raging. She's like, Kev, listen, look, not everybody in Ireland hates you. She said, you know, look, it, it, it may be the case for your father. Your, your brothers and sisters may hate you. Your, your old friends from school may hate you, but your mother loves you. And you need to tell Corey Graves that your mother loves you. And that's still the case. Well, I'm very happy that your mother loves you, KP. And my apologies to Mama Patrick. I'm surprised it took this long. I can be perfectly honest when I tell you I have apologized to Saxton's mother no less than two or three times over the years. <laughs> Uh, I understand a protective mama bear. So it's all love, KP. It all oh, comes man. from a place of love. So your mom can, can rest assured. She can sleep tightly at night knowing you are in good hands. Good news to kick off this episode of ATB. This is big. Starting Monday, March 6th, full episodes of After the Bell will be available on WWE's YouTube channel, KP. That means people can look at us as well as listen to us. Unfortunately, that means I'm going to have to start wearing pants every Wednesday when we record this. But what a cracking primer that promises to be before Monday Night Raw. Go and make Mondays your full WWE day. YouTube channel in the morning. You're stuck with our ugly mugs in the evening for Monday Night Raw. Let's be having you. And for all of you audio files out there, worry not. ATB will still drop every Friday as it does now. Uh, and then the following Monday, you can watch our handsome faces chat about all of the nonsense you need to exist within the WWE universe. And KP, there has been no shortage of chatter in the lead up to Elimination Chamber. We knew it was going to be big. We knew it was going to be special. Montreal brought it. There is no doubt about it. That atmosphere was unbelievable as Sami Zayn challenged the Tribal Chief in the days after, in the moments after, from Saturday night to all day Sunday to Monday while we were at TV, everybody is heartbroken. And I understand. Are you heartbroken, KP? Are you as sad as the masses? To a certain extent, yeah, sure. You can go there if you want. But I'm also glad it happened. I'm glad, you know, we got to experience it. You know, it's such a small thing, like Sami Zayn coming out second, to Roman Reigns, who's been a champion in WWE and running the place for over 900 days. That atmosphere inside Montreal and the buzz, it's not, just, it's not just inside the arena, inside the Bell Center. I'll tell you this, guys, the atmosphere throughout the city of Montreal, it was palpable. You could feel it. There was something special in the air. This is Canada's favorite sun right now. And, and look, it didn't happen for him, but we, we experienced one hell of a match. We experienced something incredible that you don't see on television very often. And that's Sami Zayn's wife, the role that she played throughout the entire match being, being kind of taunted by Roman Reigns um, and her saying, he loved you. Like that was a moment that really hit me and, and pulled on the heartstrings. Um, am I upset about it all, Graves? No, I'm not because we're talking about Roman Reigns here. But I also think that Sami Zayn, if you were to ask the question, is he in a worse place right now? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll let you answer that because I know where I think. 
I know where you think things are headed, and I will uh, double stamp your assessment of the situation, and I will flat out say it. I understand the WWE universe being collectively heartbroken. We were a fraction of a second away numerous times on Saturday night from the greatest feel-good story in WWE, at least since WrestleMania 30, if not longer. I mean, there wasn't a, a person watching who didn't have at least part of them rooting for Sami Zayn. Michael Cole dropped a Do You Believe in Miracles? Because you couldn't not believe. I was sitting there ringside, and Sami Zayn and I go way back. I mean, I, I, he got signed to WWE shortly after I did, and we rode together, and we wrestled each other a million times. I, I have a lot of love for Sami. I have a lot of love for Roman. So being there ringside and being able to get lost in the matchup is one of those, I don't want to say rare, it's, it's actually decreasingly rare because we're getting a lot more of these moments recently. It's just so much fun to be a part of and be a fan and, and watch it unfold. And I understand there was this emptiness inside the Bell Center when Sami Zayn failed to finish his story, to borrow a line from Cody Rhodes. But let me tell you this, KP. Anybody who says that Sammy missed his window of opportunity or Sammy in any way, shape, or form is in a worse position professionally than he was Saturday night is dead wrong. Dead wrong. Because what we saw happen Saturday night was so special that even in defeat, Sami Zayn, in my opinion, and I would say the opinion of many, particularly those who need to have an opinion in WWE, Sammy reached that next echelon. Sammy stepped up. Sammy went from lovable underdog, incredibly valuable utility player to a main eventer. We talk all the time on here, KP, about the importance of star makers. I actually use the term at Elimination Chamber as pertained to Seth Rollins. There is no bigger star maker in the game right now than Roman Reigns. Yes, it sucks for fans of Sami Zayn that he didn't get the job done. We all like a happy ending from time to time. This is WWE. This is an endless story, an endless movie. This isn't something that we finish and let sit on the shelf and then revisit months later. The story never ends. It only constantly evolves. And Sami Zayn made everybody believe. Made everybody believe. And dare I say, he even made Roman Reigns believe. Roman is still the top of the mountain. Roman may be the top of the mountain for years to come. I love that. It's good for business to have a dominant champion that is believable, that you go out there and you want to see him knocked off the pedestal, but you just can't because it makes it even sweeter when somebody inevitably finally does it. It could be Cody at WrestleMania. It could be WrestleMania 44 at this rate with the level that Roman's functioning on. But Sami Zayn and Sami Zayn fans should be rejoicing because I have a feeling we are going to get more Sami Zayn in more prominent roles going forward. And that connection, that connection was forged and it is so airtight between Sami and the fans. It followed him Monday night to Ottawa. Sami kicked off the show and came to the ring and everybody was still singing. Nobody was mad at Sami. Nobody was disappointed in Sami. People felt bad because they had their hearts broken and they want to see Sammy do more. And we always compare this business to great movies and great moments. And I will tie it all together with a nice bow for everybody smart enough and educated enough to know that we here on After the Bell shoot you straight and we tell you the truth. 
Sami Zayn after Elimination Chamber is Rocky. Sammy is Rocky Balboa. Because what happens, spoiler alert to anybody who has never seen Rocky, if you've never seen Rocky, I don't want you listening to my show. It go, seriously, right now, just stop, pause, whatever. If you haven't seen Rocky, KP, what happens at the end of the very first Rocky movie? Remind me. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> You're fired. I'm done with you. Remind me. It's Sammy been over 10 years. Zane, in the role of Rocky Balboa, stood up to the plate as the underdog who didn't belong there in the first place, much like the Italian stallion local boxing star made the most of an opportunity to challenge Apollo Creed, the greatest world champion of all time. Rocky took him to the limit, and then Rocky lost. But guess what, Kevin? We've got too many Rocky sequels to count. We've now got the Creed movies, which are spinoffs of the original tale of Rocky Balboa. Sami Zayn is Rocky Balboa right now. And anybody who disagrees with me just needs to go watch Rocky. Great point. I love it. Go and watch it if you haven't seen it. Look, after Monday, he tries to convince Kevin Owens to get back on side. Didn't exactly go to plan for Sami Zayn right about now. But when the way Kevin said, go and find your friend Jay and Sammy, you could tell this isn't over. You know, we're, we're what, 30 odd days from WrestleMania now, less than six weeks away. You know, six weeks from today, from when this episode drops, we'll be in Los Angeles for Friday Night Smackdown. The following day, it's SoFi Stadium. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, Graves. And Kevin, as we watch the next chapter of Sami Zayn's story, can anybody on earth tell me with a straight face that you're not a little more invested in whatever is next for Sammy. We are, we were hanging on every word Monday and you didn't get the resolution you'd hoped for. It's not like he and KO high-fived and hugged and everything was water under the bridge. You want to see where this goes. The story with the bloodline is not over. You talked about Jay. Kevin Owens is still embroiled in this rivalry. Kevin Owens got his ass beat at Royal Rumble. We didn't see him again until Elimination Chamber. You know KO is looking to cash in his receipts. KO still wants some. The story just continues to evolve. And if you look at Sammy as Rocky, there's going to be twists and turns. There's going to be ups and downs. And maybe, maybe someday he does reach the pinnacle. Maybe he, next year, is the guy who knocks off Roman Reigns. Maybe Cody wins at WrestleMania and Sammy beats him at, at Backlash or whatever comes next after that. You don't know. You just have to take the ride. And we are on a ride right now, Kevin. And I'm going to bring up a conversation that you were privy to briefly in our our sacred lair in any arena across the country, the, the TV locker room, where all of the greatest minds in the business converge and talk nonsense. Monday, I was having a conversation with uh, a certain WWE Hall of Famer, who shall remain nameless, you shouldn't have to guess too hard, and uh, a man who led a very dominant faction in recent history, uh, both of whom have earned their stripes here in WWE, both of whom have been around the game for two decades plus. And I asked a question as an observation that I have made because you and I get to have this conversation every Wednesday on this podcast. As fans of the business, we look at things differently. We, we not only call Monday Night Raw, then Wednesday we sit down and we analyze and we watch Friday Night SmackDown, or we watch NXT, and then we have to pick it apart. And we watch it, I dare say, more intently than most. And I asked the question that if you look at WWE as a whole right now, 
Are we in the midst of a new definable era that will be looked upon fondly five, 10, 15 years from now as an era that people long for and look back at and go, oh my God, we didn't realize how great it was until we see it in our rearview mirror, i.e. the Attitude Era. Attitude Era was red hot, right? Attitude Era was born out of necessity. WCW was kicking our ass. Things change, start throwing stuff against the wall. Boom, lightning in a bottle, the Attitude Era. You have some of the biggest stars ever in the history of the business all at the same time. But if you go back and watch the matches from an episode of Monday Night Raw during the Attitude Era, you're going to find very few classics or, or, and there are plenty of moments that live on Austin driving a beer truck and angle with the milk truck and DX smashing the bus. There, there are no shortage of great moments, but the wrestling was not the focal point of the show back then. The ruthless aggression era, as it's now known, never really got the love that it gets currently until WWE Network put together the documentary about the ruthless aggression era, which kind of forced everybody to go, oh man. We had Edge and Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero. And I mean, insert name here, John Cena in his early days. The Undertaker was still around, American Badass style. That whole era, that was known more, particularly on Friday Night SmackDown, as the wrestling show because you were getting some of the greatest in-ring content that you've ever seen. It was sort of stark contrast to the Attitude Era. You had characters. They may not have been all as strongly defined as your Rock and your Stone Cold and your DX, but you still had some holdovers and you still had another crop. You've got, again, Hall of Famers, Edge, Kurt Angle. I I, I can sit here all day, but you got the in-ring aspect now to focus on. Fast forward, here we are 2023. We've survived the pandemic era, which is a a, a cliff's note or a, a caveat in the history books of WWE. Everybody sort of had to call audibles there. Are we in a definable era right now that maybe everybody needs to just step back and appreciate a little bit more? Because you look across the board, our premium live event numbers are through the roof. Yeah, everything. Elimination Chamber this past weekend, it's not one of the big four or the big five. It's a a secondary, second tier premium live event. Didn't feel like that on on Saturday night at all. But why though, Graves? And this is where I'll play devil's advocate with you here. You say that that you're focusing, we're maybe focusing more on the wrestling now. If you look back at the matches in the Attitude Era, whatever you want to say about that, I'll argue that right now, the reason it's so compelling isn't the wrestling. And and while the the matches are incredible, you look at Montez Spider-Man Ford at the weekend in the Elimination Chamber and everything that Johnny Gargano and Seth Rollins from the top of the pod, it's, it's remarkable. But what is everybody talking about right now? It's storytelling. And that hasn't changed. And when storytelling is this good, when it's this captivating, well, then it's enjoyed by one and all. And you're absolutely spot on in what you say. We should appreciate. And I think it, it has been. The last few, every podcast that I listen to, every expert, every, every you know, former superstar or legend that's talking about this current era right now is glowing when they speak of it. Because it's good, and dare I say, it is the best of both worlds. You've got the compelling characters. Again, there are going to be exceptions. Not everybody is going to be universal champion. That's the nature of the business. But you've got the most compelling story in the business, bar none, 
since the NWO in the bloodline. And I've said it here on the show. I think the bloodline is more compelling than the NWO. The NWO, after after a while, once you'd seen it, it started growing. It was out of control. Everybody was in the NWO. There were spinoffs. There were factions. It just got too muddy. The bloodline is still running the show. Both on Raw and SmackDown, whenever the bloodline is involved, it's the main focal point of the story. Monday night, Paul Heyman, the wise man, and Cody Rhodes. Incredibly compelling television. We have got the best blend we have had in maybe decades. Graves got Lita coming back for a match on Monday. Again, there, there's you're drawing all the way back to the Attitude Era, but the in-ring competition has never been better. It has never been cleaner. It has never been more high impact, high risk. The athleticism is truly off the charts. And I can promise you, it's only going to get better, athletically speaking, seeing what I've seen from those in NXT right now. The next crop of stars, once they figure out who they are as characters, are going to continue this business and this company moving forward into the future. That's that's not even a concern. I'm just saying that as a fan, I think it, it is on our shoulders once in a blue moon to step back and look at the entire picture. And I understand it's our nature. The nature of any fandom these days, whether it be sports entertainment or movies or comic books or music or whatever you're into, is to lean on the negative. With the rise of social media, everybody's quick to point out what they hate, what they don't like, what should be better. And they're not always wrong, right? There's always room for improvement. I'm just saying, take a step back and look at the entire picture and what's going on right now. We have sold out stadiums regularly over the past few years. WrestleMania set ticket sales for two nights this year without a single match ever being announced. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's incredible. And, and you look at it from, and I know there are a lot of people who listen to these podcasts who really like to talk business. We don't do a lot of that here on this, this show. I, I'd like to recommend Eric Bischoff's podcast because Bischoff, when it comes to that, is brilliant as far as numbers and breaking things down and revenue, et cetera. But on a rudimentary level, business is booming right now. We just ha- had an unbelievable weekend on the road to WrestleMania. WrestleMania, I guarantee you, will supersede expectations will exceed expectations. And everything is trending in such a positive direction right now that it's not hard to watch a show and go, man, you know what? I wasn't crazy about that, but that was really good. There's something for everybody right now, and it's only getting bigger. Love it. It's that perfect concoction right now. It really is. And and to double down on what you're saying about the in-ring performances, I had a great chat with Edge on Monday. Edge was in the United States Championship match against the 25-year-old, the cocky, the swagger in Austin Theory there for all to see. And Edge said, one of my biggest goals coming back was, and he wanted to, to really hammer home to me. He's like, I'm 49 years of age. Look at me. I'm 49. I have had to really up my game more than ever before physically to be at my apex, to be at my very best, to compete against someone like Austin Theory. And look at the show that Edge put on and, and was so, you know, whatever, the, the Finn Balor spoiling proceedings at the very end. Um, but but to look at a Hall of Famer like that and him have that desire and that hunger and also the, the wherewithal to know that the game has changed and he has to be operating at his operatic high note in order to compete with the very uh, best young talent coming through. Well, no doubt. The talent is, is our, we say it all the time, and, and from the top down Talent is our greatest natural resource in this business. And what I'm saying, is it perfect? No. Can it be better? Always. Everything can be improved upon. But the state of the business is healthier than it has been in a long time. 
because let's be honest, it's a trickle-down effect. A rising tide in WWE raises all ships from people who envision themselves as competition to the independence to whatever that may be. When WWE is doing well, everybody does a little bit better. It's it's like a, like an economy, you know what I mean? It's it's business. It truly is. And and you have to think and appreciate how different the world is right now, which is why I think people are not so quick to give the respect and and the flowers and the acknowledgement of how great things are because back in the attitude era nothing was on demand you had to watch monday night raw you so people go oh the ratings the ratings we don't live and die by ratings anymore because ratings they're almost impossible to accurately measure you can measure social media engagement versus this demographic obviously that's the goal when it comes to advertising but the world has changed it's no longer oh man wwe's coming to my town the only chance i'll ever have to see roman reigns in person is by going to the live event that still happens but there are so many different options and, and people consume everything so differently than we did in these eras even the, the, the beginning of the ruthless aggression era yeah there was the internet but it wasn't a dominant force in the world like it is today. So that's why I'm saying, and I, I'm almost asking everybody to just step back and look and realize, yeah, you, your favorite guy may not be champion and that's okay. You can root. That's what we're here for. We're here to be fans. We're here to root, but just appreciate what we're doing. We're what in it. it like we're all, and I, when I say we, I don't mean me. I mean, everybody. I mean, the everybody. fans, I mean, yeah. the boys and girls in the locker room. I mean, everybody. The, it, it feels like we're doing something special. But with, with social media today and with the forums and everything else, if you've got a television, you think you're a television producer, right? Sadly, it's just the way it is. It's human nature. What was it like back in the day, Graves, during the Attitude Era? When you're growing up, you're consuming the product. You're talking with your dad and your brother about it. But like, that's pretty much it, right? Back then, I mean, there, there was no ability to right. go online and, and scream and shout about why it should have been done differently. I don't think, I don't think you thought about it like that back then, right? The phrase water cooler talk doesn't really apply anymore, but that's what it used to be. You, I used to wake up in the morning on a Tuesday and go to school. And the first thing I did was find my buddies who watched wrestling. And, oh my God. Can you believe what stone cold did last night? Oh my God. Did you see nitro? They did this. Oh my, it, that was what you lived for. Now it's instant gratification. Now you jump online you get people who agree with you or don't agree with you. Or if you want to argue, that's cool. And again, I am by no means saying I am uh, the be all end all. I'm just saying, I've been around this game long enough to know when something special is happening. I feel it. We are in the midst of something special, a, a renaissance, if you will, within sports entertainment. It's been a cyclical business. We talk about that all the time. Everybody who's been around for more than a cup of coffee realizes business goes up, business goes down. It feels to me, and it looks to me on paper, like we are in the midst of a massive upswing, which is extremely exciting. And it's ironic how in a throwback sort of manner, We've kicked it back to the fact that we've got one leading man in Roman Reigns and the best supporting cast anybody could ever have. And, and again, that's not, that's not saying anybody else is less than. I'm just saying from when you, when you step back, okay, Roman's that dude. Like Hogan was that dude. Like Austin was that dude. And Rock was that dude. But those guys existed at the same time. You, you had multiple leading men in the, the Attitude Era. It's just really fascinating to me to kind of pick this apart and look and break it down to its most simple form. And there's a wave coming at Roman Reigns called Cody Rhodes, uh, you know, no in, in, in just over five weeks away, which promises to be truly fascinating. The one thing I'll say on, on the vibe right now and how it's changed is I've noticed this an awful lot recently. We do a thing in commentary called laying out. 
And it means we simply shut up and we let the audience do the talking and yes. we, we, we just enjoy the atmosphere. We've been doing a lot more laying out over the past 10 weeks or so than we were previously. And it's simply because the atmosphere has been, been out of this world. And you look at Sami Zayn, Michael Cole and yourself didn't say a single word for how many minutes? Probably five, 10 minutes, I would guess. All of Sami's entrance, a little bit on Roman's entrance, all of Sami's entrance. They had that standoff for about four and a half minutes. Um, and you guys didn't have to say a single thing. It was the same for us, you know, more often than not when Seth Rollins enters. We don't need to say anything. You know, the pictures and the audio tell the story. And it's a beautiful thing. I was just laying out a little bit for you. I was, I was letting you pontificate. I agree. I agree with you, KP. It's fun, man. The less we have to do when we don't have to tell you and scream at you and acknowledge every detail for you from ringside, that's a good position to be in. That means the people at home get it. The people in the building get it. And the people watching all over the world get it. I'm excited. We are in the midst of a great time, a great time in the business. Well said. But while we're talking business, KP, I could do this all day, but uh, we have a guest, a very, very special guest. She is near and dear to my heart. Luckily for me, the WWE universe seems to enjoy her quite as well. Uh, please welcome to After the Bell, the moonwalking, trash talking. No, 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 no. Give what, it a bit what, more what, than what, that. What, 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 what. Come on, come on. Be fair here. You got to give it a bit more than that. You can't just say the moonwalking. No, I want to be, if you're not going to do it, I'll do it. Then please, KP. She my- is the moonwalking. She is the trash talking. She is the princess of Staten Island. Get in here, Carmella. Wow. Showed me up on my own show in front of my own wife. <laughs> Carmella, I must bring to your attention that prior to you joining me here in the official After the Bell studio, which you so graciously decorated and designed for me, it was Kevin Patrick who insisted on giving you a proper introduction because I wasn't giving it enough oomph. I was wondering, I'm like, is that my introduction? That's pretty boring. Carmella, Carmella, you should have heard. He, he went like this. He went, so up next, we got the... Um, so we got the 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 moon walking. I'm like, what are you doing? I was trying to be moody. Like I was trying to be like like after dark the trash talking. The moon walking, <laughs> trash talking. So good morning, baby. Good morning. Thanks I, for having this me. This brings I me promise. back to my high school days, by the way. I mean, this is this. I am the ultimate ter- third wheel right now. You hear the double next <laughs> there saying third wheel. I'm the third wheel. Uh, well, unfortunately, you guys, this is fun though. It is fun. And unfortunately for the After the Bell listeners, uh, the video podcast element does not begin until March 6th, but we're going to keep driving that home every Monday. After the Bell will be available in video form on YouTube. And trust me, Carmela looks beautiful as always. I wish we could share you with the world today, but wait, who am I kidding? No, I'm not. I'm not into sharing. But also, Graves, so is your studio and you, Carmela, the architect. You put it all together. T- tell us a little bit about it. More of the designer than the architect. You know, my dad was the one who put everything together. We designed the space as far as how much room he would need. But yeah, as far as the decor goes, I decorated the whole thing. Found this bad boy, this wallpaper behind us on homedepot.com, if you can believe that. So it looks amazing. Now everybody who listens is going to have a studio that looks just like yeah, mine. Yeah, right. No, they won't. You just gave it up. Well, I, I'm the one that put this up. All my hard work. I'm blood, sweat, and tears into this wall behind what us What was here. Corey doing while you were doing all that? Oh, he He's was drinking a beer baseball. upstairs. Yes, exactly. Unbelievable. I financed Even it. the kiddos were the ones down here helping. I'm like, the kids are down here. I'm down here. My parents. <laughs> and he's up there drinking icy light. Oh, well. 
Carmella, you have uh, recently returned to WWE and graced us all with your presence. Uh, but I think, I don't think, I know uh, there's a lot going on in your life. And we're all excited to catch up with you. And I'm sure the ATB listeners, as well as the rest of the WWE universe, have been wondering. There are so many questions. Where have you been? What have you been up to? Where is our princess of Staten Island? Well, I'm back. Yeah, I know that. Hello. Where was I? Is that what you're asking? Pay attention to your podcast partner. It's a very valuable skill to learn. <laughs> I've been out. I mean, I spent the last seven months away from WWE. This is the longest time I've ever spent away, actually. But um, I, yeah, I had some time off and a couple, you know, some health issues going on that we've now moved on from. I'm great. I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. But yeah, it's been a crazy uh, seven months to say the least. Well, I know firsthand what you've been dealing with because you are my wife and we live under the same roof. And occasionally we get to spend time in the same city as one <laughs> another. Uh, but I know you've been open and honest about it uh, while you were away via your social media, which you do your best to keep in touch with everybody uh, on those platforms. But for those who may not be familiar, what went down? I know this is something very, very important to you to speak about, and, and you've had a lot, a lot of time to, to deal with and wrap your head around it. And I know before we invited you on here, you said you were going to be comfortable sort of uh, shining a little light on that for the, the listeners uh, who may get something important to take away from it. Yeah. So I was dealing with an ectopic pregnancy, which means that the pregnancy was not viable, couldn't move forward with it. And it's actually something that you and I both were learning together is very, very dangerous. It's something that a lot of women actually don't make it through. So I feel very fortunate that I've... Yeah. And that's what's so crazy is because, you know, my friends, family, no one realized just how extreme this is my husband included. My, myself included. <laughs> and this has been a, something we've had multiple discussions about because in the moment I had heard, I'd heard the phrase ectopic pregnancy. I Googled it. I got a definition for what it was, but I had no idea, even as your husband, as your partner, as you know, this, this was my pregnancy as well. You know what I mean? And I didn't realize the magnitude of what that is. And I know you have done a lot of work and a lot of research and you've connected with a lot of people on this subject. And it turns out it's a relatively common thing that a lot of people deal with, but uh, sometimes aren't necessarily open to talking about. Yeah. I guess I wouldn't say it's common. It actually only happens to 6% of pregnancies, which is crazy to think about 6%. Um, but basically what happens is I'm just so grateful. I listened to my body. There was a moment where I wasn't sure what was happening. My stomach was killing me. I asked you to take me to the emergency room. We're in the emergency and, room. And I'm not proud of this now, but she asked me to take her to the emergency room. And I went, well, why? I didn't get it because this is maybe, maybe to your point, it's not that common. Yeah. And in hindsight, I, I realized like, man, I, I have never screwed up that bad. But in the moment, it was just like, I didn't understand what we were dealing with. I know. But I, I think in that moment, it's, it's very difficult to go. Sure. Absolutely. Let's go. Right. And I know that may seem like the right thing to do for everybody listening. But if my wife said to me, I need to go to the emergency room right now. I'd, I'd want to, I'd have a million and one questions. Of course. So how did you process all you were going through? It was, gosh, it was so difficult because once it happened, I'm in the emergency room. I actually had to take an ambulance to another emergency room for them to continue to diagnose exactly what had happened. And once I realized what it, that it wasn't, in fact, an ectopic pregnancy, which means it's in your, not to get super technical, but it's in your fallopian tube, not in your uterus. So uh, at any point, basically, it can explode and you can bleed to death, which is insane to think about. Uh, no, but don't, don't gloss over that. This is what really <laughs> rocked me. This is when yeah. I went, 
oh my God, I, I need to be a better partner. I need to be more supportive. I didn't realize, I thought, hey, it was something you, you get fixed and you may need to get surgery or something or something that your body just recovers from. When I found out like you could have died from yeah. that, like yeah. that, that rocked my world. Yeah, it's it's insane because not only am I in the emergency room for this crazy medical condition that, you know, we have to monitor very closely. I was on bed rest for four weeks straight, couldn't do anything. But then I'm also processing the loss of our baby. So it was a double whammy. So I just think through all of that, I mean, we made it through and I'm so, so grateful. And I'm not trying to gloss over any of this as if it was, I mean, I was in a deep depression for a while. It was really hard, but I felt like it was necessary for me to share my story because I felt, even though I had you, I had my family. I've never felt so alone because it's kind of like blaming yourself. What did I do wrong? How could I have prevented this? But turns out there's nothing I could have done. It's just how your body reacts. And women came out of the woodwork. That's why I wanted to share my story because I was so lonely and I felt so isolated through the experience. And I felt like if I'm going through this, surely there are other women out there or men out there who are helping their wife or partner or daughter or anyone going through that. And I just really wanted to share my story because women came out of the work, women from my high school, my college, even women that I've met through here in WWE have come to me and said, wow, I went through this, or I know someone who went through this and I wish I had the courage to share my story. And that's mostly what I wanted to do with coming out with it publicly because it's not talked about enough. Women don't talk about these things. It's, you know, you talk about you're pregnant, you think you're pregnant and you're having a baby and that's it. And, you know, I was excited to have a baby and then it's all taken away. And it was just a very uh, difficult time. And it felt like my return was such a, you know, up in the air. I didn't know, am I ever going to go back to work? Am I ever going to feel okay? Am I ever going to feel good enough to get off this damn couch and put some makeup on my face and feel good about myself? And um, luckily we're here, we're on the other side, but it was definitely a difficult journey. Well, I know you mentioned all of the support and people coming out of the woodwork. I know firsthand that there was somebody in particular uh, whose words held a lot of weight and really helped you kind of turn things around. Yeah. uh, Stephanie McMahon. I'm going to get emotional thinking about it. She was so supportive of me through all of it. Reached out to me several times. We had several phone conversations about it. Um, Even after my return a few weeks ago, she texted me saying, so good to see you back. You know, hope you're feeling all right. And it was just, oh my gosh, not only does she just, you know, preach women empowerment and, you know, she, she practices it. I'm just so forever grateful for her and the support that she has shown me through all of this. When you think about WWE, it's such a male-dominated environment and the majority of the fans out there are male and often can be quite cruel. So to receive that support from Stephanie, I'm sure for, for not only for you, but for, for many other female superstars in WWE and staff within WWE, I'm sure it means so much, Carmela. I mean, our kitchen, I think I have photos of what our kitchen looked like. It looked like a floral shop. I mean, everyone who's anyone in WWE, the female locker room, both locker rooms, everyone, we had flowers everywhere. And I'm just so grateful. I realized, you know, we have such a support system and, uh, you know, the WWE universe and our, our family that we have behind the scenes here in WWE is so real. And I'm just so grateful for everyone. Talk to us a little bit about the the emotional journey back uh, to where, again, not to to put all your business out there, but I, you had questions, you had doubts. You didn't know, A, physically, if you're going to be able to get back in the ring and compete at the level that, that we all know you were used to. And B, you were sort of questioning your your place in the world at the time. For sure. I just kind of reimagined everything. Like, what is, what is my purpose after going through this? You know, I just, I was 
so confused. And so like I had mentioned, I was on bed rest for at least four weeks. People don't realize once you go through it, you have to wait until your body can recover because at any moment it can still explode. So you have to wait until everything is back to normal. And so I was, I'm grateful for it at the now looking back because I had to just deal with it. I had to be in it. And I went through all of these different thought processes. Am I going to go back to work? What is there for me at work? Is is putting my body through all of this worth it? And I just wasn't quite sure what that journey back to the ring would look like. I have to get back in the ring. I hadn't been able to even, for me, I'm someone who's in the gym on a daily basis. I'm constantly in Pilates, yoga, fitness classes, sometimes twice a day. I couldn't do any of that for a couple months. So would I even be able to get my body back to where it needed to be just to even walk on a treadmill again or ride a bike again. I had no idea how long it would take me to get back to that. So yeah, I wasn't quite sure what it would look like to get back to WWE and people even going to remember me or people going to want to see me back. Uh, you know, what is, what does that journey look like? And now looking back, um, I wouldn't have changed a thing. I feel like it really, um, helped me take the time I needed to mentally and physically to get back into peak physical and in ring condition. You mentioned being lonely, though, and you also mentioned the mental aspect of this. For a lot of people listening, both male and female right now, that may be feeling that, what did you do to turn that corner to try and become yourself again? You've mentioned yoga and Pilates. Anything else that you'd recommend? Yeah, I did a lot of um, acupuncture, actually. My acupuncturist also kind of uh, doubles as a therapist. He talks a lot about, you know, mental well-being, and he's really helped me a lot through. I do a lot of meditation. Um, and honestly, just the support system of having my family. I'm so grateful that my parents live here in Pittsburgh now. My husband, my stepkids, they were all so integral in the in the process of, you know, getting back to where I needed to be. And I think if you have a great support system, uh, then you can kind of get through anything. So the Monday Night Raw, that Carmella <laughs> returns. I and mean, we couldn't wait. We were so excited. And, and you obviously, the shows are much better when Carmella's on them. You, you talked about the trepidation of arriving to, to the arena even. I'd imagine you, you were nervous. But what about walking through the curtain again? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to back up a little bit, KP, just because I want to I wanna ask you about the, to his point, the trepidation of coming back. The entire landscape in WWE is drastically different than than it was when you went away eight months ago or in August of last year uh, from the talent to the, the who's running the show to just the over. I mean, it's a different world. So what did that feel like knowing you were coming back into the fire, but it was going to be very different? Yeah, I had no idea what to expect. I knew how things were run and how things went when I was there before, but everything had changed to your point. The locker room is different. The management is different. How am I going to fit, fit in? How are they going to view me? How am I going to come back? Am I going to come back and, uh, you know, be remembered and do what it is that I like to do? Or is it going to be completely different? So I, I'm so grateful that I'm able to return to the moonwalking, trash-talking princess of Staten Island. For me, this is the character that I it's so near and dear to my heart. I created this character in NXT. It, it is me. It's part of me. It's me just turned way up. And I feel so confident and comfortable in this role. So to be able to be given the opportunity to go back 
to what brought me to the dance to begin with. I'm just so grateful and I'm so excited. I've never felt more comfortable. I don't have to think about anything. It's just me. I can just be and perform. And to your question earlier, Kevin, to come out through that curtain, I hit the damn moonwalk. I heard the F-A-D-U-L-O-U-S. A little mix up with my new song. So it's kind of like the best parts of the old Carmela, the best of the new Carmela, and mash it all up together. And I am just, I'm thriving. I'm so excited. (laughs) It's like riding a bike again. Exactly, exactly. So you were able to qualify for the Women's Elimination Chamber match, which just took place this past Saturday night. Did you expect to be thrown into the deep end, so to speak, this quickly after your return? Absolutely. That's what Carmela does. I thrive off of high pressure situation. What do you think? I'm just going to come back and sit in the back of the line. Hell no. I'm coming back right to the front of the line, right to the mix, right in the spotlight, right where I belong. It's safe to say, I know it's safe to say, because you and I have had numerous conversations about it. In your opinion, why do you feel that Carmela is still overlooked and underappreciated as pertains to history makers in the women's division? Because you are one. For sure. I have made history in the WWE several times. I think Carmella is overlooked because people look at Carmella, I think, you know, I have the looks, I can talk, but I think a lot of times people underestimate my in-ring ability. And there's something to be said for that. I feel like for me, it's almost a chip on my shoulder. I feel like I always have to go out there and prove exactly what I can do. When people say, oh, Carmella can't wrestle. First of all, that was like, so 2016, okay? People thought I couldn't wrestle in 2016. Well, I proved them wrong time and time again. But I honestly, I love to be underestimated. I'd rather be underestimated, underrated than overrated because now I always have something to prove. And I always have something to, I have, I just have, I want to prove to everybody why I belong here. And I think that's exactly what I've done. I not only have the looks, I not only can talk, I can go. And people still don't want to talk about that and recognize that and give me the credit I deserve. Well, that's on them. They're an idiot and they're clearly blind. So. I think we can see that you can clearly wrestle. One-on-one with Oscar at the end of the Elimination Chamber was utterly epic. I thought you had it for a second. It is, of course, the Empress that's headed to WrestleMania. Uh, No doubt you'll be back very soon at the very, very top of the game. Carmella, you did talk about talking. And that's one aspect that, for me, you're right at the very top, male, female, whatever. When that microphone is in your hand or you're backstage... There's no, I mean, you're so, there's never a pause. There's never a hesitation. Your character is so incredibly defined. You are, you're comfortable within your character's skin, as you rightly said. Yet for me, you, you're not boisterous backstage. You're not the most um, extroverted person, at least. And I don't know you very well at all. But so what is it about the performer of Carmela that it just works for you? I think because to your point, I am... I am an introvert. I'm a homebody. I like to be by myself. I enjoy my own company. Don't get me wrong. More than my company. I assure you that. (laughs) I can be, I can be annoying. I can be loud and crazy with my friends and things like that, but I'm a pretty reserved person. So for me, when I have that microphone in my hand, when I'm out there in the arena, something just clicks in me. And it's kind of like I turn into this person that I wish I was in everyday life. You know, I wish that me in real life, I wish I could say some of the things that I, you know, I want to say, but I'm just going to bite my tongue. Cause I, I'm, I like to be fair. I like to be kind. 
I don't want to like spread hate. I like to spread positivity. I'm a very positive person. And so when I get that microphone, it's like everything during that week that I had that was really like pissing me off, it let it out. And I love being able to have the outlet of WWE to do that. So um, yeah, it's kind of this crazy dichotomy between Carmel in real life and then Carmel you see in the ring. What do you think, babe? Would you say I'm crazy in real life? Crazy in a different sort of <laughs> manner. Yeah, I, it def- there's definitely a disconnect. You, you, who you are on television is not who, uh, you know, who I come home to or, or who comes home to me at the at the end of the tour. Uh, what was it to the best of your ability, if you can explain it, about making your return that really solidified in your mind that you made the right decision? Because again, I know we, we just talked about you had your doubts, you had your questions, but from my perspective, since you came back, you haven't looked back. You you had that first night and then you had the match and the match went well. And then you went to Elimination Chamber and you almost won Elimination Chamber. And your entire mindset and mentality has changed to where the last eight months almost haven't seemed to have been a factor. What is it about being back that makes you thrive, to use your own word? I think because I am back to the moonwalking, trash-talking princess of Staten Island, I have this new sense of zest for my career. Uh, You know, I've always been one to take whatever it is that's given to me and run with it, whether it's being with James Ellsworth or running around with R-Truth or teaming with Queen Zelina, wearing a mask, whatever it may be. I always take what I'm given and I run with it. But now I just feel like it's this fresh coat of paint and it's so true to who I am. I feel so comfortable. I feel so confident. When I was in um, Montreal and I got to be on commentary a few nights ago, that was so much fun. I didn't even have to think or plan what I was going to say. It was just Carmella. And I feel so excited to just show everyone and remind everyone who the hell I am and why I'm here and why I've made history, why I was the first Miss Money in the Bank, why I was the second Miss Money in the Bank, why I have defeated Asuka and Charlotte and Bianca, albeit, you know, it was by count on, but who's, who's, you know, collecting that? And I don't know, but I just feel I'm, I have this new zest for my career and I'm just so excited for what the future holds. And I mean, I see a championship in my future, just saying. Damn right. I love it. I love it. So it's a, it's a return to form. We're seeing sort of a new version of the old Carmella, which includes some new gear, because I know you always go out of your way to make sure you are the best dressed superstar on television. Uh, this gear was a bit of an homage that uh, turned out to be less of an homage and more of a, hey, how are you? <laughs> I know. How crazy. So coming back, knowing I was going to do the, my, the old new version of my old character, I wanted to kind of marry my look. So, you know, with the the bra top that I've been wearing, but also go back. I mean, Carmela debuted. She was wearing the joggers and the boxer showing. So I kind of wanted to take that and just put a new twist on it. And so I thought, well, what better way to do that than to pay homage to Lita? You know, she had such iconic gear and I figured, let me take that and kind of put my little twist on it. Little did I know, the night that I'm debuting this gear, Lita is backstage <laughs> and I am freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, is she going to be mad at me? Is she going to say, what are you doing? Take that off. I have nothing back up to wear. What am I going to do? And I was like, hey, she was in makeup and I walked by. I was like, hey, I'm wearing the gear. Hey, Lita, how are you? She's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I hope you're not mad. She's like, are you kidding? Not at all. That's amazing. I'm like, I really wanted to pay tribute to you and she loved it. But I'm not going to lie. I was a little scared for a minute. Is she going to be pissed at me? <laughs> Never should have a fight for who gets who has the rights to the exposed thong. (laughs) Exposed thong on a pole match. (laughs) I remember all that good stuff I said about where we're at as a company and in business. Let's take it back. We'll go back to the (laughs) put it on a pole. (laughs) 
Oh man. Hey, can I be honest with you? I would love to have a beer with your dad. All right. And here, oh. here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know your dad. I've never met your dad. I know that Corey Graves absolutely loves his father-in-law. Your dad is the one that built the studio, but your dad was a wrestler. You, you are a second generation wrestler. And I looked at his social media recently and I oh, loved Lord. it. And here's why. No, here's why. Here's why. I looked at it because Paul Van Dale refers to his daughter, Leah, as Carmela. He refers to his son-in-law, Matt Polinsky, as Corey Graves. He is all in. Like all Your in. dad does not break away at all, does he? Hey, Fabe is still strong. <laughs> he is. I mean, he kills me. He just, he loves that this is what we do. I mean, if you could have asked him years ago what your daughter is going to do with her life, if, if someone told him she's going to grow up, be in the WWE, and marry someone who is also in the WWE, and you get to talk about wrestling with them all the time and have beers and just chat about everything, and he can tell some, have someone tell all his stories to from back in the day and they'll actually listen and be excited about it. I mean, his life is made, so. How proud is he of you, though? I mean, He's so on. proud. I mean, I, I always- Almost go, as proud as he is of me. No. <laughs> <laughs> I always go back to thinking of when I won the title. It was the SmackDown after WrestleMania in New Orleans. My parents were there and they had cameras on my parents as soon as I cashed in. And he, there's tears in their eyes. And my dad, he had no idea that they were being recorded. He had no idea there were cameras there. And he's going around to everyone. Hey, that's my daughter. He's, we're from Boston. So his act, that's my daughter. That's my daughter out there. That's my daughter. That's my daughter. And everyone's like, no way. You're Carmela's dad. He's like, yeah. And it's just, I get teary eyed thinking about it, emotional because he's just so genuinely proud. And I mean, it's just such a cool thing that we have that in common and we can just uh, bond over our love for WWE. I mean, I could care less what I do in my life. If my <laughs> children ever have a moment like that, that's going to be the, the summit for me. That's going to be the very top. If I that's could ever make, you know, make sure that my kids go on to, to chase their dreams, obviously, and then have that special moment, become a SmackDown Women's Champion, the embrace that that was just so special to see your tough guy dad, because he does look like a tough guy. You know, like he, he, oh, he is like a tough guy. He's, 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 he's tough. He, yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't fight him. <laughs> Absolutely not. Not at, at my current shape. And he, he hit 60, 62. 62. He'd he still is, kick my ass. I say that with perfect confidence. Yes. I hated bringing, you know, boyfriends home in middle school, high school, whatever. I mean, they would always go to school the next day and talk about how their hand was broken because my dad, he's like very firm handshake. So yeah, very scary growing up. <laughs> so now that you're back uh, and you're taking this next step on your journey, as you look across the landscape, what more is there for you to accomplish? You've been doing this at a neighborhood of 10 years here in WWE. You've accomplished so much, but there's still more work to be done. What is on the more immediate agenda for Carmella? I think, you know, if I'm being real completely, I mean, of course I would love to win the Raw Women's Championship. Who wouldn't want to say that they've won all the titles in WWE? That would be amazing. But if I'm being completely honest, I want to, tell good stories. I want to have fun. I want to be Carmel and go out there and want to see, want everyone to see someone kick my butt. That is my goal. I just want to go out there and stir the pot and piss people off and just know that I'm doing my job because to me, that is what is the most fun. I love playing a character. I love being in this role. I mean, I had so much fun in the chamber. People were so mad at me because I'm ducking and dodging everything. I'm hiding in the pods. I mean, for me, work smarter, not harder. You know what I mean? So to me, I think that's what I really want to do with this next phase of my career is just, you know, have fun and tell some fun stories. That's the best answer we've had, Corey. That's <laughs> it was, the best. It was. That, that is the best answer because more often than not, we'll get, I really want to win this championship. And it's like, it's kind of boring. 
Like I get <laughs> for me, for me, that's kind of boring because you've you've got to invest in who you are. And 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 as storytellers now, I'm learning rapidly alongside your 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 wonderful husband, who I always say is is absolutely crunchy on the outside, but really he's soft on the inside. Oh yeah. You know, and he he uh, even though he can be brutal, he said that the entire nation of Ireland hates me the other day. His oh. mom had to call him. My mother called me yesterday. Carmella. Oh my gosh. Given out about him. I know. And I said, don't worry. He's... <laughs> he has that effect on people. I'm angering generations. <laughs> you know, but while, while we're on the subject of, of commentary, however, uh, you mentioned you tried your hand at it recently. I actually got text messages from Michael Cole and others in the production truck commenting on how well you did. Because that's, as you know, not the easiest thing to do. And it's drastically different than being a, a superstar backstage and cutting a promo or just holding a, a live mic and doing your thing your way. Commentary is a totally different environment. How did you enjoy it? And is it something you'd be interested in doing again in the future? I had so much fun. I had a blast, truly. Again, because I got to be my character, but also know what the point of why I was out there. You know, wasn't out there just to talk about myself. I want to talk and make fun of Oscar. I want to talk, make fun of Raquel and Nikki Cross. And to be honest, I think the reason why I did pretty decent at it is because I am married to you. And I'm not just saying that to talk about how amazing you are, but I listen to you when you complain about something or if you're upset or you're like, oh, this worked so well on commentary last week when I said this and this person did that. I, I absorb what you say. And I feel like because I do pay attention to you and I watch how you do things, I was able to kind of just apply that a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to be some amazing play-by-play or color commentator in the future, but I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I said you're the best on the mic for a reason. I mean, seriously, <laughs> there's no reason why that couldn't translate to commentary down the line if you wanted it to. No, no doubt. I mean, Renee, Renee made history. She was the first one to have a full-time gig on, on raw commentary before she's moved on. But I think there's definitely space for a, a female voice in this day and age in, in the WWE universe as broad as it is. If I did do, I'd have to do it with Michael Cole, not you. Not because me. Because oh, you could, would, I would divorce you over that. Because yeah. he'd be yelling at me, telling me how terrible I am. There's no way in hell. So I need to make sure I mean, sure most people I listening to the show right now, Carmella, are wondering, how the hell are you with Corey Graves? You know that, right? Like... <laughs> I wonder the same. Listen, he's he is an amazing human. Trust me, I know. I get it. I can understand why people are like hate him sometimes. Trust <laughs> me. I get paid. However, I promise you he's actually the kindest, sweetest human being ever. I can attest to that. Hey, can you guys break away from 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 wrestling, professional wrestling, sports entertainment? Can you break away at home at all or is it is it constantly uh, within your conversations? I think one of us usually has to be like, "Hey, all right, enough of that. Let's move on." I mean, we we both enjoy our job. So when we're home and we're talking, oh my gosh, this happened. Did I tell you about so-and-so talking to me about this? Or same thing with him. He'll tell me, oh, I had a great conversation with so-and-so and they were talking about how great you are. I'm like, oh, tell me more, you know? But um, I think there, it gets to a point where it's like, okay, let's enough. We're done talking about it. Let's move on. And usually one of us is pretty good about making that you know, the division. We drive, yeah, yeah, I was going to guess. It's Carmela. She gets tired of hearing me bitch. So she's like, all right, let's, let's talk about anything else now. Yeah. Hey, Carmela, one more for me. I'm curious if you could summarize your WWE journey in one I am affirmation, what would it be and why? I am proud. I'm so proud of myself. I'm going to cry again. Today's an emotional wow, day. Yeah. I'm so proud of myself. I feel like 
I've been overlooked and underestimated from the beginning. I came from dance. I didn't have a history with wrestling. I wasn't on the independence. I was a small girl. How am I going to do this? How am I going to get my butt kicked and, you know, be able to walk and not complain about being bruised and cut up and everything? Um, and I think I, I spent two years in NXT and I had already debuted on the main roster and I did it in great form. I had amazing rivalry with Nikki Bella. I was on TV every week. I was the very last draft pick. No one expected me to do anything with my career. And I think, again, going back to our early conversation, it lit a flame under me and it made me realize how much I want to prove to everybody that I am a mainstay in this division. I will always have a name in this company. No matter what, I'll always go down in history. And I'm so grateful for the journey I've had. And I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud. I think you've got plenty of reasons to be proud. And before we let you go, what is on the immediate horizon for Carmella in WWE or around WWE? We know you enjoy being a villain and getting your comeuppance. We know that's what makes you, you, you love this business. I, I can relate on that front. What's next? Well, I have a match against Oscar next week on I Monday. I didn't want to bring that part up. I was trying to gloss over that because, baby, I love you. <laughs> Babe, are you kidding me? Do you know that Oscar has never beat me one-on-one? I think I did know that. So, I mean, the odds are against Oscar, not me. And now I see where you sit. Now I understand why everyone hates you. I'm <laughs> joining that. I'm about to start tweeting about you and how much you suck. My own husband doesn't even have faith in me. Wow, but, Thanks, babe. Thanks it, for nothing. But it's Oscar. Okay, then, you know what? You're so stupid. I cannot. Like, can we get rid of him? Can we cut his mic off? Please don't edit this part. <laughs> Just read that. Get us out of here. <laughs> All right. So follow the show at After the Bell on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Follow Corey at WW Graves. And you can find Kevin at Kev underscore Egan. And do not forget to follow Carmella at Carmella WWE on Instagram and Twitter, honey bunnies. Well, that was fantastic. But you actually did open the door for one final question before we leave on, you know, you making complete fun of me and emasculating me and <laughs> Telling the world that I have little to no skill set. Talk to me about your social media. It's somewhere you've been very active and something you've been trying to branch out in a little bit and not in just your standard, hey, here's me in a bikini. There's a lot more that goes into what you're trying to do uh, with your purpose on social media. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I'm so grateful for the platform that I have built through WWE. And I want to build that community with my female followers. I think it's really cool to show them behind the scenes aspects of being in WWE, whether it's getting my makeup done or getting ready to go to TV or like a day in my life. And I think that's really fun to just share with our, my female followers. Again, showing that, that post that I did about when everything went down. I think it's important to have a connection with your female or with your followers in general and just kind of show them, okay, this is who you see as Carmela on Monday Night Raw, but that is not who I am in everyday life. And I think it's important to show, you know, that dichotomy because I think if anyone were to see me on TV, they'd be like, okay, screw this girl. She is a bitch. I don't know if I can say that, but Carmela is. So I think it's really important for me, especially because I am so brash on TV to show who I truly am. That's what I'm trying to do. There we go. Listen for free wherever you get your podcasts. Just search after the bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Starting Monday, March 6th, the full episodes of After the Bell will be on the official WWE YouTube channel. Episodes will post wherever you get your podcasts as usual every Friday. The episode will then be available in full on YouTube the following Monday. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. 
Woo! It sounds like I'm out of a job. <laughs> Go on, Carmella. Whoa, I, there's nothing left for me. I'm done. <laughs> put a cork in them or put a fork in them? Put a, put a, we, we always struggle with this. Put a cork in it. Put a fork in them. Or put a fork. I stick a fork in me. I'm done.